Yes, I do. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather, rather be. In his arms, I feel protected, and there's no place I rather. There's no place I rather. There is no place I rather. Lord, amen. There is no place that I'd rather be falling in love with Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but if you are not in love with Jesus, if you do not have Jesus as the apple of your eye, the one who our focus should be on I don't know you're in the wrong place Jesus he's the answer he's the answer to all our problems amen and so as we come we want to praise God for what he has done we serve a wonderful God a powerful God amen and so as we come to church we come to strengthen one another. Your testimony, my testimony, we pull together and strengthen the work that God has done and is doing in our lives. Amen? 
I just want to just leave a few brief announcements with you. Immediately after the service, we want to meet all deacon and deaconesses. All deacon and deaconesses, we're asking you to please uh, come on. Um, meet us at the front here. We have some very important things to resolve. This is just about five minutes, not long. Uh, all deacon and deaconesses. This coming Wednesday night, what night did I say everyone? This coming Wednesday night will be May the 22nd. And this is going to be the beginning of our family life, um, family faith and family seminar. We're going to be having Dr. Robert Sams uh, that will be traveling here. And he has a very powerful message for us. Uh, the first night, we're going to be starting with lessons on marriage and family. And then the Thursday night, lessons on uh, family finances and making uh, lessons on making a home on Friday night. And on Sabbath, uh, we will be looking at the topic, Samson's home. And in the evening, we're going to have influences at home for men, uh, for women, and leadership at home for men. And then we cap it all out with a concert next Saturday. So we have, we're starting on from uh, Wednesday all the way until Sabbath. We're asking you to come out, invite your friends, invite your family. Uh, it's going to be a very powerful seminar. And so we're just asking you to stay tuned. Uh, great things are ahead for this church. As I come back into this pulpit, uh, last week I had the honor and privilege of attending the graduation service at the Oakwood um, University uh, Church. Uh, in fact, uh, it was from the church, as you know, to the uh, Von Braun Center. And it was a very, very, very wonderful celebration. I have been to Oakwood um, graduation service uh, many times and uh, um, but this one was special this one was very 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 special uh, because uh, I was able to look down and see a baby that was born I believe he was born seven pounds ten ounces I was able to see now this a baby that's almost my height, 20 years old, 20 years later in the future, walking across the pulpit, uh, the platform, receiving his diploma from Oakwood. And um, I have to tell you, um, my wife and my heart, both of our hearts, uh, synchronized. And I would say it skipped beat as in a, in a synchronized form just to see our baby, our 20-year-old big man now, uh, graduating with his university diploma. I feel old. <laughs> I feel really old. This is why I'm bawling off my head right now. But I'm so proud uh, of my son, uh, Daniel, uh, for... Uh, this life-changing uh, uh, transitional event in his life. 
uh, walking and marching and receiving that diploma, graduating with such a high uh, GPA. I could brag about that, right? Because that's our investment. <laughs> Parents, you got to realize when you invest in your children, Sister Rawls, you got to realize uh, the Brown, Erica Brown, when you invest in your children and you see the returns, what God has done for you, Sister Muldrow, what God has done for you, and to see them marching and just advancing, it's, it's powerful. And so it's a wonderful thing. And so um, I had a math teacher that said, when, so, when things are happening good in your life, you could brag about it. So I'm bragging to the Lord and thanking the Lord for what he has done. Amen. May I see all the returning uh, students, university students, um, boarding school students. Uh, may I see all the returning students here, please. All the returning students, please stand. Stand proud, even if you graduated too. You're still a student, please stand. We want to welcome you back home. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we want to pray that the Lord will bless you as you continue on your journey. Uh, we know that the best days are ahead. Amen? And so we want to pray that the Lord will anoint you guys and continue to be with you in your pursuits. Amen? Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for these students. I pray, Father, that you will bless them as they continue on. We thank you, Lord, for uh, those that have uh, exited. And we pray, Father, that you will just continue to bless them and lead them, Father. And may you be their guide. Help them to know that as they are learning more and more, help them that they need to learn even more. Because we know that you have your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truths. Lead us now into uh, this worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings. Today, the message that I had uh, planned, the message was stolen. Uh, just about a week ago, before I embarked on uh, the journey, that 36 hours drive to Oakwood University, my iPad was stolen. And if you know, I always have this iPad. <laughs> it is my Bible. <laughs> and uh, so my sermon was jacked, and I hope somebody's reading it today. <laughs> but I think everything is white, and they're using it for other purposes. But there is a God. Amen? And so I had to kind of modify things and... Uh, I'll come up with something different, you know, and pray to the Lord. And I pray that it comes out and that it will be a blessing uh, to us and to the church. As we come here, we want to welcome everyone um, into the sanctuary. We want to welcome even those that's listening on the radio and those listening on the internet. Uh, this truly is a place where God designed and desire for each and every one of us to come and learn and grow together. Uh, the church over the years have served as an institution of learning, not only spiritual learning, but academical learning. 
uh, we had the church coming out of the neo-scholistic system where uh, the church was um, not only seen as for just religious instructions, but they taught public schools and they missed that. They missed the element of prayer. They missed the element of scripture. They missed the element where they're actually being taught, you know, to be moral, responsible citizens. You know, a few um, months back, I was speaking to some young folks from the public school system. And it's interesting that in the public school system, they've taught all the secular stuff. They know who is who in the music industry. They know who is who in the movie industry. You know, they know all of these things and it is taught, you know, and is picked up in the, the whole system. Now, there are some public schools better than others, and, you know, um, they're not all the same. But what we're seeing is that society right now has hijacked our educational system, and no longer are we being taught from the word. No longer as, uh, are we being taught to be moral, responsible citizens. In fact, um, schools are being brought up in a way to reflect society. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. The schools right now, they have to reflect what society expects and teaches and so forth. Instead of the schools making a difference in society, societies make a difference in our schools. And so um, what we're seeing now is all kind of things creeping into our school. Um, the Bible teaches us that we need to love everybody. Is, am I right? Am I right, everybody? The Bible is very clear that we need to love. We need to, I mean, God is no respecter of persons. He loves every single body. However, there is a moral compass within the word of God. But what we're seeing right now is that slowly, slowly and surely, there is the, this whole erosion where the, uh, the moral fabric of our society is being broken apart. And certain things are being taught in our public schools, even sometimes without you knowing. I remember a few years ago when I was teaching, and we had an influx of public school students coming into our school. And I was teaching grade uh, 10 and 11. And they, the government back then in Quebec had, they had wiped out all the moral religious education program. They, um, first of all, they said they wanted to take out the religious component and you had to teach just moral education. And then they went a step further and they said they wanted to teach ethics. And they went a step further and they said, listen, we want to take away all of that. We don't want ethics or morals. We want to have just the arts. And so that was what was taught, the arts. And so we had an influx of students coming into our school. And um, I remember one man stood up. One, I said, one boy stands up. He's a man now. 
and he stood up and he was um, saying, you know, uh, Mr. Madden, um, I, I think that you do not like um, gays and lesbians. And uh, we had this debate now. He opened up this thing and we were talking about these morals and so forth. And I had to clarify this. And I said, listen, God loves everybody. He even loved gays and also lesbians. He loves everyone, right? He loves smokers. He loves prostitutes. He loves drunkards. He loves everybody, right? He loves them. He loves the people. It's the thing that they do that he hates. It's the sin that they do that he hates. It's the sin that we do that God hates. And we have to understand this as a church. What I'm finding right now, it is very hard for us to stand up and preach the truth. Now, I might probably be recorded right now, who knows, and you'll be hearing me on the internet, you know, to say that I hate, and I won't even say it, because, you know, when you say something, they could just cut you out and just remember Jeremiah Wright, right? They take that out, and you're just being circulated. But what I'm saying is that God, he wants us to love every single body, and I love everyone right? I remember in my uh, chaplaincy training, um, this was one of the challenges that we had. We had to, you know, you got to minister to everybody. You got to minister to Satanists, <laughs> chaplain. You got to minister to uh, Wiccan, those that are in the Wicca religion. You got to minister to Muslims, everyone. Right, And so we got to show love as long as you're a human being and you're willing to listen, right? Uh, and we have to do more listening, but we got to minister to everyone without bias, right? And so the thing is now, when it comes to the scripture, the only thing that we can say is, thus saith the Lord. And so God calls us into a position where we need to love and we need to embrace every single body. But at the same point, we got to stand up for principles. We got to stand up for the moral code. It's very important because right now what is happening there are so many things that are challenging the church and the church is being accused of all sorts of things and if we do not stand up and say the right things, they will demonize us, right? They will blackball us. They will cut your funding and all of this. And so in the time of Jesus, Jesus, he was straight up. And he showed love to every single body, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, right through. And so we got to understand in the whole process of this. And so as we look at this now, I want to just delve into some scripture. And I had a little commercial break on this. But I want us to uh, look at some of the things here. And I believe that it is God's will and and purpose that every single person prosper in Christ. Amen? 
This is one of the things I want to put out first. It is God's will and his purpose that every single one of us prosper and that we be in good health. In the book of uh, 3rd John chapter um, 1 verse 2, 3rd John chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible tells us, the Bible, um, and I'm saying chapter 1, there's only one chapter, 3rd John <laughs> 2, right? 3rd John 2, the Bible tells us, beloved, I pray, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, I hear pages turning still. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body, in quotes, may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. This is the message that John was writing to uh, to his uh, friend Gaius and the, the churches and he said that he was reflecting the very sentiments of God that God wants us to prosper in every way in every way God wants every single one of us to prosper God we are serving an equal opportunity God he wants you to prosper. He doesn't want you to be lacking in one area of your life or another. He wants us to be prosperous. Amen? And so as we come here into the church, into this modern church, um, we know that what it was back then, but no longer does the church has the influence in every facet of society. But in order for a church to be prosperous, we got to reach everybody. We cannot limit our aim and our mission to a certain segment of society. We have to reach everybody. And so as a church, we got to have ministry for everyone, including men, women, including those that's on the other side that's in the closet. We got to have ministry for everyone. Now, I'm going to be touching and stepping on some toes here, but as a church, if the church is going to be an effective um, vehicle within society, we have to come up with methods and means to reach society because that was the message of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem, he was not biased to anybody. If you notice, he reached out to Samaritans. He reached out to women. He reached out to children, boys and girls. He reached everyone. As long as you were a human being, Jesus was willing to reach out to you and touch you in a, in a way that you have never been touched before. And so as a church, this has to be our aim and has to be our goal. Amen? Now, I understand uh, that uh, there are some within the church, we may scoff at certain individuals that may come into the church. We may think that there are certain people that don't belong in the church. Uh, we may believe that the Lord doesn't want to touch a certain segment of society and prosper them. Amen? We may believe that there are some baptisms that are quality baptisms. 
and uh, there are some that are well substandard uh, because they don't bring the stuff. You know what I mean, right? But I will tell you that this church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, especially Abundant Life Church, we are no respecter of persons. Uh, we want to have everyone coming in the church, amen? Whether you have money or not, whether you have an address or not, we want to reach out to every single body because we believe that the Lord came to save souls, amen? He did not come to rescue pocketbooks, if you understand what I mean, right? And so we got to be able to reach everyone, and we got to, some of us, we have to throw away some of the false theologies that we have, that we have been indoctrinated in, that we have been brainwashed in, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to touch us in such a way that we can just see people and their potentials and what God wants to do in their lives. Amen? Amen. And so, church, uh, it is going to be a very interesting journey. Uh, because there will be some shady-looking uh, people coming in church. No, no, I'm not saying that we should not protect our church. We have a protection policy. You're going to hear about that, right? But the greatest protection policy is who? The Holy Ghost. Amen? And so what we are talking about is that as a church, we must be so open and uh, available to reach and touch anyone within society because God, he wants everyone, every aspect to prosper. Amen? The story is told, and I'd like you to turn there in the, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 12. The story is told uh, where uh, Jesus is, it's not a story, but a true story, but Jesus is is, is uh, presenting an example here and he is trying to help his disciples to see uh, the, the, how heaven thinks he wants to re-educate um, them to understand how heaven sees people and this is what Jesus was all about this is why Jesus walked the streets this is why Jesus had church outside he wanted people to understand how God thinks of people and how he relates to people. And we see here in the book of Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, a very interesting story. And we see an observant savior and one that is teaching with great patience in Mark chapter 12. And we could pick it up from um, verse... Um, well, verse 35, verse 35. And I'm reading here from the um, Amplified Bible, but I'll read from the screen just for us to be harmonized with it. And Jesus answered and said to them, while he taught in the temple, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? Verse 36. Son of David, next verse. Mark chapter 12, verse, I just want to keep it consistent. Okay, I'll read it in my scripture here then. Okay, verse 36. And David himself inspired, David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou 
on the right hand till I make my enemies thy footstool. 37. And David therefore himself calleth him Lord, and whence he then, when, and whence he then his son said, and the, and the common people heard him gladly. I'm conflicting with my versions here, but, and he said unto them, in his doctrine, beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces. They love to be praised. They love to be given honor and glory, and they receive it, and they don't pass it on, if you understand what I'm saying. And the chief, and the chief seats in the, they love to sit in the chief seats of the, san, the synagogues and the utmost, uppermost room of the feast, at the feast, which devour widows' houses and have, and for a pretense, make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. Now, I don't know how strong these words could, how stronger they could have been, but Jesus was talking to the people, and you've got to understand, scribes and Pharisees and all these individuals was there, the setting that Jesus was there, and Jesus sat over now. He went over against the treasury. And if you understand that there was a division in the church where the women would sit in a certain area and they would come in a certain area and the men would come in a certain area. And Jesus now sat over in a very particular way where he was able to observe the treasury. Now, it was not the vault uh, room where they would put all this stuff in, but this was like uh, the offering box. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Now understand, uh, this was a society of show and tell. They could tell if you were rich just by the way you dressed. They could tell that, you know, the way you conduct yourself, that, that guy has money. And they wanted to show it. You see, because in showing it, it was the prestige of the family. And so these, these, these Pharisees and scribes and so forth, that they just love uh, all this laud and praise and so forth, they would come to the temple and they would come with their offerings. And they would make sure that their tithe envelopes were extra fat and it was not with air. Right, and so they will drop these uh, these these uh, tie these monies in, and sometimes they would be in bags. And so when it dropped in the plate, it will make a certain sound, and everybody will say, "Whoa, that guy! You know, he is a spiritual man." And they will judge a person's spirituality by how much money they have. Right? Be careful. Do not look at the outward appearance right? Look as God looks. He looks at the heart. And so here these individuals, they came, these rich cats, right? Fat cats, they came and dropped their monies in uh, because they had much. But the Bible tells us further in verse 42, verse 42, it says, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, 
two mites, which maketh a farthing. Now, this was a day's wage, a whole day's wage, two mites, which was, you know, this was uh, what a poor people will work for. This was the equivalent of half a penny, right? And she dropped in this in humility. And he called unto him, his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in, have cast more in than all they, uh, all they which have cast in to the treasury. And he broke it down and he, he was showing them that here this, this woman gave much more. And he says, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. This woman, something prompted her to give everything. This woman, she gave out of her poverty. This woman, she had nothing else to give. She gave it all. She gave it all. Why? I don't know her situation. Maybe she, she was suicidal. Maybe she was just giving up on life. And she just said, listen, that's it. Give it all to the church, and I will die. But she gave everything over. While the others, they gave out of their abundance. We have to be very careful how we judge people. And this is a fine point I'm making here. We have to be extremely careful how we judge God's people. We do not know the spiritual direction of a person. We don't know where they are in their spiritual direction. And sometimes we manhandle, even with our words, right? We, be, be, we belittle and we malign people and curse them down when that person is doing the best they can. If you have a circumstance of somebody that grew up in the hood, poverty-stricken, all they know is just what they know. They grew up and they're drug dealers. That's what they were exposed to. They, uh, they grew up in, the, in uh, prostitution. They grew up in really bad circumstances. And you see this person come to church. And this individual, now somehow they, they heard of a God that can deliver them. And they, they came to this God that can deliver them. And they surrendered their life to God, but they still have the tendency. And so they came to church, and, and somehow they're in church, but somehow they go back, and they fall back into sin. And you see that person, and you say, well, that person, how could it be that person is a Christian now, and I saw that person out there and all of these things, and, and we start talking down and judging the person, not knowing the person's spiritual journey. You see, our problem is this. Our problem in all of this is that we judge people based on riches and poverty. 
We judge people based on the way they dress, the way they, the way they look. We judge people based on what we perceive their perceived sin. Oh, that person has a bigger sin. You know, that person, he's a smoker. You know, that person, he did this. When in God's eyes, sin is sin. Sin is sin. And so when God sits down, as Isaiah chapter 40 says, when he sits down on the circle of the earth and he scans the inhabitants of the earth and they're all like grasshoppers, it is, uh, we are all prickly people. Is that the term, right? We're all prickly people, right? As the little boy says, right? Right? We all, we are all sinners. We have our mess. The only thing is that it's not exposed. Right? If all of a sudden our recording angels should marshal up here and says, Hear ye the life of O'Neill Fitzalbert Madden. And that angel starts to read. You know what would happen? Man, I'll tell you, I would be running for the door. Right? Just imagine. Right? What we got to realize, right? In God's eyes, when God looks at it, he sees. He says, is that person rebellious or not? Right? Is that person claiming for forgiveness? Is that person, where is that person? God understands and he takes the circumstances of where that person was born, what, how that person was culturalized, how that person was educated, how that person, the DNA of that person, all of the tendons, all of everything, he takes it up. I remember a few years ago we were studying and uh, we were studying on the slaves and I'm just throwing this out now extemporaneously and we were studying on this, the slaves and in the book of Great Controversy it says that the slaves, some of the slaves that was born and they have never developed a knowledge of Christ to have a relationship with Christ, it's, she says that the slaves will be as if they were not. They will not resurrect in the first resurrection or the second resurrection. They lived, but they never developed a relationship with Christ, and it says is as if they were, they will be as if they were not. And I was like, wow, can you imagine it? But that's a merciful God. They will not face the judgment in terms of hellfire or whatever it is. It's like they never existed. And I said, that's hard, I know. Some of you guys are saying, oh, is that fear? But think of it. What I'm seeing is that sometimes what happens within us is that we look and we try to be God. And we try to judge people. And we try to say, okay, that person, you know, that person should not be a church member because, you know, I see certain things here. And we put ourselves in the place of God. Now, I could understand if you have a rebellious person now in our midst, and that person is a sniper, right? And, you know, that person is harming the church, you know, in that sense. And they're coming back, and they're leading the church into sin and all of these things, and it's outright and all of that. We, we got to, you know, talk. We got to deal, right? But what I'm saying is that what we try to do at times is what these Pharisees did back then. And so they looked at this, this the, in this story, they looked at the whole thing, what is coming in, who is bringing in, whatever it is, 
And if you are a poor person, what have you, you know, this woman, if Jesus did not highlight her, Jesus stood and he looked over and he observed, if he did not highlight this woman, we would never have heard of her. None of the Pharisees would have brought her forth, but Jesus highlighted her. We're preaching about her 2013, way, years, years after her death. What I'm saying to us, are we truly seeing things the way God sees things? Do we have the eyes? Do we have the compassion? Do we have all of these things of God? This woman, she stepped in, and the message that Jesus left for us in out of this story is that this woman, she gave all. The song says, give of your best to the master. Give off your strength of your youth. Give him your, be your best, right? But some of us, do we give out of our poverty or do we give out of our abundance? Honestly, logically we say, well, if we have more money now, I could give tithe. I've had many people come and say, well, Pastor, now I have more money, I could return my tithe. I could return a faithful tithe, right? Because I have more money. But when you have no money, and this woman says, okay, listen, the Lord, he has done so much for me. I woke up this morning. I have life. Oh, my family is well. And God is so good. I want to give him everything. And she gives all. And I believe there is an unwritten portion to this lady's life. I believe that this woman left blessed because the master, he saw her, and the master elevated her, and she was a blessing. She became a blessing. Even now, she's a blessing to us. And so, church, we got to understand this. Now, my, I don't have much more to say, but understand, there are many that look at things and we, we value things based on just what we see, right? We look at the abundance, but we don't understand that God, he wants to test our faith in that are you yielding all to him? This is not just about money. It's about your commitment. It's about your time. It's about how you worship. I guarantee you, if we should continue the service tonight, right? Like, for instance, we have religious liberties tonight. And some of you put your antenna up and says, well, we're not coming to that. You know, I'm going to be doing this, whatever, you know. But think of it. If, if just your commitment to time to come out and support another program. It tells how you look at life, how you look at, do you look at, oh, well, yeah, I have time, you know, out of your abundance, or out of your poverty. What I really admire, I have some people that come to prayer meeting, and they come in tired. They, they beat them up, and they come in, and they say, Pastor, I had a really rough, rough day. 
you know, and I was so tired and I, I was thinking of not coming to church, but I came. I had to come and just, just give a little word and pray. And when I look at that, you have individuals, they come, they don't have the time. They don't have the time. They are poverty stricken in time, but they come and give the time anyhow. We call a work bee. Oh, the church, you know, we need to fix up the church. And we call the work be a hey, church, come on out, right? Oh, the deacons will do that. And some of the deacons even say, oh, well, the deacon that's serving the longest, they will do that, right? And, and, and so when you come to church, instead of seeing all 15 deacons and 17 deaconesses, uh, we just see like three deacons and two deaconesses. What I'm saying is a principle in life. God wants us to understand, are you living, are you evaluating, are evaluating life out of the abundance or out of the poverty? This is what it comes down to. When God steps in and he says, listen, he is going to look for people that he knows, he's going to remember, hey, Sister Rogers, yes. That lady, I mean, she could have, I mean, she has certain limitations, but she beat out those limitations and she came to church anyhow. She came and showed up anyhow. What God wants us to understand, the way we treat God now, the way we treat his institution now, the way we relate to him, whether in our tithes and our offerings, in general, will determine if we will stand in that last day. That is what it's going to come down to. And so when we talk about stewardship, some say it's about money. It's not about money. It's a whole lifestyle. I want to say even stewardship really has a lot to do with the mark of the beast. You know what the mark of the beast is, right? It's really how you think. It's how you think. I could tell people right now, there are some people that's preparing right now. And as you're preparing to stand, and you know you're going to be fighting, you know that you're going to be ones that we're going to be standing up for God comes what may. But there's some of us that's going to be like some dogs lapping their tails and we are going to run away from persecution. We're going to run away from it because we are focused on the abundance of things. We're not looking at the poverty. We're not looking at our in the inconvenience. We're looking at that. And so what I'm encouraging us, church, it is time for us to introspect, look down within ourselves to see where we stand. Some of us are not faithful in our tithe and our offerings. Some of us are not faithful in our time, even time in the church to help, even to support some of us are not faithful in our family, family devotions. Some of us are not faithful to our wives and our husbands. 
it all relates. And I want to encourage us as we conclude. God, he wants your best. He wants your first, he wants your last, and he wants your best. That's what he wants. And if we should just allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives, I'm telling you, you'll be deadly weapons. We will be deadly weapons in this world, Sister Lisa. God wants us to commit ourselves, our lives, our all. I know we have some faithful widows here in the church that's willing to just allow God to just move in our lives. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in good health. He wants the power. He wants us to experience the power and the presence of God. But do we want that for ourselves? Do we want truly God to say, hey, God, listen, I can't make it. I'm living a messed up life or whatever it is, but God, God's, God wants to empower your life. How many of us want to stand and say, Lord, I want to live with all that I have, even the poverty. I want to give it all to you, Father. I want to return it all. I want to just allow you to take control of my life. I want to be moved. I want to be empowered. Amen? Even before I asked them to stand, you stood. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God wants to make a movement. Keep standing. God wants to make a movement, a change in your life. And it's important for us to understand we can't do it on our own. But if we should just allow the Holy Spirit to drive our lives, to move in our lives, great things, great things will happen in our lives. Amen? And so, church, I want to call for a commitment. You have heard the word of God. And God wants to take your life, to take our life. He wants to prepare us for the, the many manifold blessings that he has in store for us. If this is your desire, I'm asking you to stand with me. We want to pray for God's anointing and blessing on your life. Amen. I know that someone came to church today. And as you came to church, you may be going through some struggles. You may be even searching for a purpose and a meaning in your life. And you want to say, Jesus, I, I, want, I want just to yield everything to you. I want to throw everything on the altar of sacrifice. And I want that prayer. I want that anointing on my life. If this is your desire, I'm asking you to come forward. I want to pray with you and for you. I know that God 
has a purpose in our lives. He has a mission in our lives. And sometimes we may have made mistakes in our lives. But God is saying, hey, listen. I could turn your life around, brother. God bless. I could turn your life around if you just yield. If you just yield all on the altar of sacrifice. If this is your wish and your desire, I'm asking you to join us here. We want to have a special word of prayer with you. to the message that somehow it was not just penetrating it was not penetrating but you know when we think of it every single message that God delivers they're new brand new and if we would just allow the Holy Spirit to break through and to say hey listen I was like that before. I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm focusing on the here and now. What does God want to do in your life? Does he, does he want to deliver you from something? I believe so. And so you may have come to church today. Brother man. Sister lady. And God wants to just pour out his blessing upon you and you realize that you want deliverance I'm asking you to come and join us we want to pray with you we want to pray for you we want God's anointing upon your life amen let's pull together as we pray those that came up here as we come here our reasons are varied but we serve a God that answers every, every request. Amen? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come once again before your throne. Not to show that we can connect words together, but Lord, just to humble ourselves at your cross. I'm asking, Lord, that you bless your people once again. Those, all of us that standing, Lord, we're standing in a great need and we are standing in need of prayer we ask Lord that you will please just step into our lives step into our situation whatever we're battling whatever we are facing Lord help us to know that we are serving an overcomer God you have been through it Lord this is not something that you have not tried and proven you have overcome father and we want to thank you for all that you're sacrificed Lord and we want to thank you for all the opportunities Lord and there are individuals at the altar even now Father and they are here to surrender their lives to you they are here to yield up and to say enough is enough I pray Father that you will please take their lives and let it be cultivated 
to you, Father, and that you will just allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, to finish that work that you have designed in their lives, Lord. Please, if if there is any impediments, anything, Lord, that is holding them back, Lord, from a full surrender, Lord, please remove it even now. Lord, this is your time. As now I preach for 120 years, Lord, and the waters did come eventually and flooded out the earth. Eight survivors. Help us, Lord, to be among those survivors even now. We thank you so much, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your willingness to be with us and to walk with us all the way. We praise your name, Father. We ask that you will bless Lord, and keep us now and forevermore. We pray in the worthy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and King. McDavid, Sister McDavid, blessings, blessings, blessings. Nice to see you, brother. Blessings, blessings. All right, blessings, blessings, blessings. All right. Amen. Amen. As we come to the conclusion of this service, everybody, let us close our eyes for a few moments and just thank the Holy Spirit for what he has done and for what he is about to do in your life. It is my prayer as we close out this service and as you leave this church and as you make your way home, Sabbath closes out later on, that you will remain, bar now, focus on heaven, focus on our Savior, and that you will have a victorious week, and that you will be brought back here on Wednesday night, we will continue in our service, and next Sabbath, experience more of the power of God. We ask that you bless this church as we conclude this service. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see and continue to lead us.